Welcome to the Greatest Day Podcast. My name is Craig Smith, your host and the creator of the Greatest Day Mindset. This podcast is all about helping you gain the tools and insight needed to shift your focus in life and begin living each day to the fullest. The Greatest Day Mindset is a lifestyle. It's a way of living each day with a positive attitude. It is choosing to be happy and live life with energy no matter your current circumstances. Today truly is the only day you have to live, shape, and create who it is you want to become. So choose to make today the greatest day of your life. Welcome back again for another episode of the Greatest Day Podcast. And welcome to all the new listeners and those that may have been gone for a little while, but you're back maybe specifically for this relationship strengthening series that I've been doing. And it's been a good one so far, talking about understanding and communicating. But it's about to go to another level today as we get into seven secrets for lasting in, for a lasting relationship. But before we go there, let me, um, I mean, really thank you guys for tuning in once again. It's, it's about this time last year that someone suggested to me that I do a podcast and then another person said the same thing shortly after that. And, um, as I kind of thought about it, which made me actually completely sick and nervous to think about another person asked me, you know, if I had a podcast and where they could go listen. So it made it, you know, it really drove it home for me that, you know, maybe this is something I, I pursue. And so I set a goal out for the new year to get going. And I think it was actually the end of December last year that I pushed record for the first time. Um, and now here is episode 28, um, which is not a lot, but it's 28 episodes, 28 times I've sat here, pushed record and, um, been super nervous and anxious and uncomfortable. I'm getting better at it, which was the goal. And you know what? I've done it more than 28 times because in the beginning I did total, a complete episode, which I actually deleted because I doubted that it was good. I didn't like, um, certain elements of it. I had this perfectionistic mindset, which I do often. And I literally deleted, I've deleted multiple episodes that I've spent half an hour recording even more preparing for because I doubted myself. I'm so glad I'm past that, by the way. Um, <clears throat> maybe not fully past it, but I'm so much further along than, than where I began. And that was the entire goal. So you guys, that's it. Like maybe we do a whole episode on this, but we got to just step out there and do things that make us uncomfortable so we can grow and evolve and become better and smarter and wiser and stronger. Like that's it. That's why I did it. I remember, I remember this time last year thinking that's why I'm doing it. I want to become more comfortable speaking and engaging in this type of setting, whether it's eventually on stage and I've done some presentations and, um, and I get nervous every single time. So this has served its purpose. Um, and we're still going, don't let me, don't let that sound like it's over. We're going to keep going. Um, but people from like England from to Costa Rica, like people have emailed me and reached out about the episodes. And so it's being listened everywhere. And then my newest listener, a neighbor down the street, um, you know, I think he's just starting. So 
He may not hear this exact thing and know that I'm talking about him for another month or so, but I thank you all seriously and sincerely. Um, 20 to 30 minutes, a couple times a month, you are letting me in your life and in your ears and in your mind and heart, and I appreciate it. I really do. So, um, but it's not just about spitting thoughts out here for you. I, you know, I do some preparing, some studying. I, I pay attention to the interactions online that I'm having with you guys. And I try to prepare something that I think will be relevant and meaningful to those of you that are at least interacting with me. So this relationship series is, you know, it's been focused just on that. It was a direct result of some of the interactions I had and the voices that you guys shared from the good old Instagram and and, uh, something I put up there. So we're going to keep it moving. And today we're talking about secrets. And I'm not totally sure how I feel about the message of saying secrets to anything because when it comes down to relationships, there really isn't secrets, I don't think, about making it work anyway. And heck, if they're if there is any one secret, it's don't keep secrets. But let's get into this list. Um, and, you know, hopefully we're getting more of this feel that it does come down to effort, attention, intention, and learning how to best approach your relationship by taking time to learn about yourself, learn about your partner, and then responding in those ways. So when I put it like like that, I mean, it really does kind of sound simple, but you know, learn about yourself, learn about your partner, make daily efforts and intentions about the quantity and the quality of your efforts, and you'll have an amazing marriage. The end, right? All right. So there's today's episode. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. All right. Not really. But we all know that it's not that simple. And thank goodness, because just like any other area of your life, we learn and grow so much from the struggles and the failures and continuous adjustments um, to be better today than the previous day. So, I mean, imagine your partner always agreeing with you, liking all the same things as you, parenting the exact same way as you, having the same love language as you, the same taste in food, music, recreation, hobbies. Like I go on and on here, right? But really, how boring would that be? And remember, if you were the same person as your partner, one of you would be useless. If all that is true, and it is, then we need to begin viewing our differences and getting on board with this idea that our differences and our struggles and all these hard parts of our relationships, that they can be viewed as blessings and opportunities become stronger and a wiser couple and individual. So that's it. Right now, I want you to push pause, turn to your partner, and hopefully you're listening this together because I think it'd be a great exercise. And um, So turn to your partner and thank them for their uniqueness that they bring to this world and to your life. If you are by yourself, pause and send a message of gratitude to your partner. So right now, I'll give you a minute. Just pause. Make those things happen. Um, now that you push play again and you're back, I'm curious how many people actually paused and took the, the simple challenge to thank their partner for being just who they are and bringing newness to their life. 
it seems, it really does seem like a simp, uh, a silly challenge. Um, and you may have thought like how nice it sounded when I, when I put that out there in that moment. But did we actually do it? Did you actually pause, take the 15 seconds, 20 seconds to, to, to make that symbolic behavior, that action to actually thank your partner. So, um, here's the deal and I'm getting a little caught, uh, a little, a little stuck here on just my thoughts, but back on track. When we take these types of moments and challenges in our relationship and in our actions, this is where we become different. This, this is where these, the symbolism of these little things and many other things really, but it's like the mortar. It's the, it's like the glue. It's like those, the things that keep, holds all everything else together. So I promise we're moving on. We're getting to these secrets, but here's your second call. Pause, send that message, turn to your partner right now, voice that gratitude. All right. Well, I guess my point in all this rambling is that there's no real secrets in my opinion, just a whole lot of little things that honestly we get away from over the years. And this list is, it's one of like 1900 lists out there about improving your relationship. And I like most of these lists because what they really do is send a nice reminder about how we can continue adding uh, to, to like the commitment and the connection of our to our partner. So without without running on again, further and further here, let's get into this list. So hopefully taking some notes today, uh, this is really more of, you know, more of like a training and more of like real applicable stuff than just a fun listen. So take some notes, one or two of these things, maybe three, whatever, they're going to jump out at you. I want you to pay attention inside what jumps out. And then we're going to explore that even further on your own. Start to develop a plan how you can begin implementing more of this stuff into your relationship. So in no specific order, here's number one, and it's understand your past. This is huge when it comes to getting married or just being in a long-term or committed relationship because when two people become one, both people bring a whole lot of their past with them. And if you think that you're going to begin this new life together and get to decide how to love and parent and fight and communicate the way you want to and, and um, you know, with just create this new place, it's, you're going to be in for a shock. Because whether we like it or not, our early experiences in life, they impact us. I can think of a lot of things that um, my mom did and said that I swore I would never do those things. And not because not because my mom was so horrible. My mom was wonderful. Um, there were a lot of things that, um, some barriers along the way and, and she showed up. I think I've talked about this on another episode, but she showed up as mom and dad. And like she was, she did the best she absolutely could with, with, um, the circumstances. But here's the thing. I, I 
think that I am more relaxed and lenient than my mom. But every so often, a piece of my mom's parenting and some of the phrases she used and the words, they come out in my in my parenting. So we're learning all the ways to be or not to be as a human, you know, as we watch these pe- these older people when we're kids, our family systems, communication styles, emotional expressions, gender roles, power and control, affection. I mean, the list goes on. We're we are in training to be an adult. And many of the things that in life that we were taught, we didn't get much of a choice about how much um, this stuck with us. It's just kind of there. So here's the coolest part about all of this is that you and I get to challenge and reprogram the stories of our past. It's definitely going to take some time and serious exploration, as I talked about in other, you know, other content I've put out there. Um, there's these different phases of destructing some of these stories of our past and philosophies so that we can make room for the new ones. Um, but we got to be ready. We got to be ready and not afraid to dive in. And maybe we keep some of these from the past that we, that we like, but we need to begin exploring some of these. So we know which ones we like, which ones don't work with us. They don't sit or fit with us or our philosophies any longer. And this is the major reason for the premarital programs that I run. Um, we dig into the past and we explore how it, how these things do or don't fit into current views of the individual and, and as a collectively in the relationship. So, and it's never too late to do these things, you know, whether you're preparing for marriage now, or you're just dating, or you're in a serious relationship, or even married for 20 years. Um, it's time to write a different story for the rest of your life, if the one you're living does not fit for you. All right, number two, <clears throat> um, some of these are a lot longer than others, because I got a lot more thoughts about some of them. But number two is the golden equation of love. Now, I'm wondering how many of you have actually heard this equation before the golden equation. Um, really it's my stuff plus your stuff equals our stuff. And it's, and it's, it's not just our belongings, like joining bank accounts and different things. It's when you marry each other, you're marrying everything together too. So it's talking about like your stuff is like your tendencies, your personality styles, your past wounds, emotional triggers. Um, you know, wound, did I already say wounds? Yeah, like your past wounds and like like your this stuff. What I said from the first secret, you're bringing all this stuff, and when you join them, you literally commit to taking his stuff and her stuff and making it your own um, to love and support through. So. The golden equation, or just joining together fully. Number three is say you're sorry. I really love this on on some of these lists because I think we get it wrong a lot of the times. But I'm going to get to that to make this real for you. So um, definitely this is another one that's not such a secret to creating lasting relationships. But, you know, we kind of do a terrible job at it at times. So there's a saying, and I love it, but um, but let's add to it. So love means never having to say you're sorry. You know what? I don't love it. I don't love that saying. And I don't know who wrote it or th- who thought it was a good thing. But love is being willing to say 
sorry as many times as you need. And honestly, just as important, love means being willing to forgive. So saying sorry and seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness, these are crucial ingredients for a successful marriage or relationship. What a sincere apology, let's talk about apologies, because what a sincere apology does for your partner is really it validates their feelings and allows you both to move forward. So the easy and quick thing to do is to point fingers and place blame or identify the guilty person in any given situation. But the, the power of taking this humble approach and confessing to your partner in the situation that what you did or what you said um, caused the hurt and the pain, this can go such a long way in strengthening the relationship. So it's not about being right or being wrong. And especially um, when someone's been hurt, it's about ownership. So one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quotes really of all time, never let a problem to be solved become more important than a person to be loved. And um, adding on to that, another, I mean, you guys know I'm a quote guy. So another one that comes to mind is, and I post, I think I posted this last week or something, but couples get stuck when they try to defend their intentions rather than seek to understand how they made their partner feel so powerful. Those two, just those two quotes about relationships. If you stop trying to defend what you meant to say or what you meant to do and just give a sincere apology, you're going to save time, energy, emotion, and ultimately you're going to help your relationship heal much quicker. So um, here's a new quote I'm adding to my arsenal. Pause and go back to these things if you if you need to write these down. I love these. So apologizing and practicing forgiveness is about giving yourself and your partner the kind of future you and they deserve. That's a good one. Forgiveness is about giving yourself and your partner a better future. Love it. Um, John Gottman, he, the marriage master, studying couples for years, he, he teaches that couples who are able to give sincere apologies to each other they can actually rid themselves of the toxicity, the toxic hurt and shame that holds them back from feeling connected and emotionally attuned to their partner. Attuned is one of his terms. Um, we got a couple more of his terms here, but uh, the thing is, I mean, we just need to stop stubbornly holding on to the belief that you have nothing to ab- apologize for because your intent was not meant to be hurtful. I went into that last week about intentions and what you didn't intend to do. So saying, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. This is a terrible apology. Sorry, didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Um, And it doesn't really help your partner. It doesn't help your partner feel any better. Because remember, it's not about your intentions. It's all about how what you did influenced the way your partner feels. So a real apology takes ownership of the actions and the words Um, And it can be as simple as saying, I'm sorry, I was rude. Like, just take that ownership. Um, Let me run through, let me run through these. See, this is one of those that's 
turning into a lengthy one, but a powerful one, a poly, the power of apologies. So here's a few ways you can upgrade your apology. One is to identify two reasons you feel sorry for the hurt that your behavior and words caused your partner. It shows you are in tune with the feelings and the situation. Um, And then accept responsibility. One person's response will literally change the brain response of the other person. That came from Gottman as well. By accepting responsibility, really, you can change the whole dynamic of, of the situation. Three is to use the actual words, I am sorry. I am sorry, I was wrong. Then be specific about what you did that caused the hurt and the harm. This is that accountability and ownership part. Turn that apology into action and let your partner know what you're going to do to repair the situation and how you plan to do better the next time around. Describe why you said what you did without making excuses. Use I statements rather than you statements. I yelled at you because I had a terrible day at work. Rather than you said you would have had dinner ready at six and you didn't. That's why I yelled. So turn it inward. Turn it to yourself. What did Own it. Own your stuff. And, and ask for forgiveness. Eliminate distractions. Use other tips and taking ownership. Um of specific actions that caused harm, ask for your partner to forgive those things so you both can move forward healing and growing together as a couple. And then um, the seventh thing here that that they show us. So we got all sorts of lists inside lists here. But don't let the wounds poison your love for your spouse. I love that one. Apologizing and seeking forgiveness and offering forgiveness are all key elements of strong relationships. I mean, I like to think about this. Like, do you love each other? Are the goals to continue being together? Is that the goal? Like, are we like, are we going to stay together? Is that the goal? Yes, of course, that's the goal. Okay, great. So let's try to grow together and get better each day. So if that's the case, we're committed and we're staying together, then holding on to some of these simple things or, I mean, maybe even the complex things, are they really worth it in the long run? Yeah, I don't know. I will say this, though. Um, as a trained professional therapist, some of these issues <clears throat> that come up, they're going to need some help from a professional. So it's not as simple as like, hey, we're staying together. Just forgive me, please. It Like some of this, there's going to be some deep hurt in some relationships, and they're going to need other help. So if some of the same behaviors keep showing up for, you know, or some of the same hurtful words, it's probably a good indicator that you or, or them or, or together, some additional help from a therapist is needed. So, um, and this may or may not include your partner. You might just have to jump in and and try to heal some of your own stuff so that you can show up better for them. All right. Number four. Um, and this got some response when I posted it online, but it's have self-aware sex. So interesting, again, you know, raise your hand if this is the first time you've heard this terminology. Um, Really, it's just a direct way of saying that you need to be more aware and in tune with your own sexuality. Um, And if you want to have better sexual relationships with your partner, you would like really you need to understand who you are sexually. Uh, Interesting little story. I'm just going to share it with you to illustrate this. But I mean, years ago, um, working with someone when when, well, I'll get, let me get to this first. 
because I used to teach a healthy sexuality class. And we would talk a lot about how people, people will do all sorts of strange, bizarre, weird, creative things with each other in bed, but they'll never actually talk about it. And, um, and research really strongly supports that couples that talk more about sex, you know, like what they like, what they don't like, some personal boundaries they have or wishes and hopes and, you know, like interest in trying things. These couples actually report a higher level of sexual satisfaction in their marriage than the ones who, you know, go in lights off. Don't talk, please. Let's like, just do the thing and be done. Um, and if that's your thing, great. But but people who are talking more about it and exploring more, they're having higher levels of satisfaction in the relationship, not just sexually, but that too. Um, and then a story, so I'll never forget this one from just a colleague that I worked with years ago. He shared a story about a couple that he worked with and the couple reported, they were talking about like communication and intimate communication. Um, and they reported, and they both agreed upon this, that they had 10 intimate hours of conversation, like meaningful conversation in their 25 year marriage. And that's not wrong. 10 hours, not, not 10 hours a week or a year, 10 total hours in their 25 years together. That's like, that's like 25 minutes a year. I think someone do that math. Yeah. I think it's like 25 minutes a year. So the couple said that, you know, due to the husband's work, I think he was a truck driver. Like he was away from home for the majority of the month. So when he did come home, they'd fall into their routine of having sex, watching TV. Um, and then he'd go back on the road. So I share this about communication because it shows how poor communication was for them. But the issue that was happening was in the bedroom. The wife in one of the individual sessions, she said that her husband did this, this thing, the move, as he called it on the first night that they had sex, like their wedding night. And she hated it. She hated it. Like it was not like, it was just weird. Okay. I wasn't in the session. I don't know how she put it, but she hated it. But the thought of, of like breaking his heart or like knocking him down, from this ego trip he had about this super move that he thought she loved. She never had the heart to tell him. So she hated it. And it went on for 25 years. And he thought that he had this like ultimate sex move and he didn't. Okay. So the point, I guess, okay. The point I'm trying to make is that we got to learn about our own preferences and boundaries when it comes to, um, sex. And then we've had to take time to communicate these things to our partner and also provide them a space, right? So they can voice theirs. I'm certain the dread of that move. Each time he was either on his way home or he was home, like it put a distance between them and, and the dread she felt and maybe the anxiety she had about, all right, here comes the, the required duty since he's home from the road and I know he's going to do that stupid move again. Like I'm sure that put a distance between them emotionally and intimately and, and communicate like their communication suffered from it. So no wonder they only had 10 hours total in all that time. 
All right, you guys learn more about yourselves sexually and what you like and don't like and talk more about it. Number five is stay curious. I love this one. You're not the same person as when you got married and neither is your partner. They're not the same person as when you got married. And hopefully, this is my goal anyway, that neither of you you know, or me will be the same as we are today, five years from now, constantly, or at least should be, constantly learning about new things in life gaining new perspectives, getting new philosophies, you know, adjusting the previous ones, but healthy and happy couples, they spend time being curious about their ever changing partner and their lives together. You got to stay curious about your own world and, and really about your partner's world. This sets couples up to have closer emotional, physical, sexually romantic relationships. If the love and connection in your relationship feels like it's diminishing, like if you think about some of those things, I think, you know, check, check in the last time, take a little inventory about the last time that you sat with your partner and asked them about the inner parts of their thinking and feeling and what they dream about, where they want to be personally in one, five and 10 years from now. And where do you want to be at? You know, it's, it's rewarding to be able to share that too, and then have this shared excitement about your own and about your partner's personal growth. So don't just learn about it, but then encourage it, help them find ways to pursue it. There will be nothing. I'm going out on a limb here. I'm not promising it, but there may be nothing sexier to your partner than you being interested, invested and encouraging for them to go after their hopes and dreams in life. And that means you got to take time to learn it. And then you got to like kind of change your life up too, so that you can foster that continued growth for them. You know, you give up a guy's night out or a girl's night out so that your partner can pursue something that they're trying to do. Um, but stay curious, keep learning about each other. Okay. This is, uh, down to the last two, number six, I'm going to hurt somebody here. Someone's going to get offended. Someone's going to get a little defensive right now. Put your phone down. Not right now. Finish listening to this episode, then put it down. Put your phone down. Like, do I really need to say more about this? I'm I'm hoping everyone's kind of in tune with this, this major issue in the world today. So think about some of these questions. Do you feel neglected when your partner's on their phone? Does, does your time together get disrupted by the phone, like text messages or emails or games like that alert, that alert goes off and then like instantly, instantly they turn to the phone to check that alert. Has technology intruded your romantic relationship? My guess is if you're married or in a committed relationship, the answer is most likely yes. And you're not alone. You guys, come on. Why are we spending, seriously, why, like, here's how I think about it. Why are you spending more time inside someone else's life than your own? Why are we tuning into the lives of strangers or distant high school acquaintances or Whoever, when your partner is sitting right next to you, the person you've committed to spending your life with, your forever person right there, they're sitting next to you. And one or both of you are on the phone looking at somebody else's life. Like you're spending your 
your Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. Like you're, you're inside someone else's home. You're not even inside yours. Okay. I know maybe you, like you don't experience this to that degree, but, but let this be a warning that this is ruining relationships at an increasing level. And I, and I promise I get it. I do get it. I'm not like, I, I get it at a neurobiological level. Like I do, I understand the brain chemistry going on here. And let me tell you about it. It's neuropathways. It's, it's the neurobiology, it's neurotransmitters. These like these dopamine rushes that we get from comments and likes. And I mean, there's a whole thing about it. It's not just that you, that, that you don't want to be with your partner. You don't want to be present in the moment. It's that it's that we're starting to get the reward system has shifted into the phone and away from other people and we need to reverse it. So, um, there's a lot of things we can do better about this and I'm guilty as well. Like I said, like I'm not about to try to say that I'm not this thing. Like I I'll pull up to a stop sign and, or a stoplight. And yeah, I'd reach for the phone too, because I mean, it's bad. We need to, we need to reverse some of these things. So, The feeling, I don't need to tell you guys this, but what the feeling is like when your partner turns to their phone and not towards you, like this, this probably causes hurt. These feelings of being ignored or like whatever the message or email or text or post or game that your spouse is engaged with is more important than you. The message sent to your spouse when this is happening is that they're not worthy. They're not good enough for your time and attention. Whatever's on that screen is more exciting and interesting than your spouse. That's what they're, that's the message that you're getting. And that's the message that you're sending when you're doing this. So here's the deal. Our phones seriously, and there's more and more research and articles and, and, um, therapy happening because it's killing our intimacy and our connections with each other. It's more harmful than we all like to admit. And and honestly, it will be the death of your relationship. Maybe not your marriage. You'll stay married, but your relationship's going to die because of these dang phones. So um, we might feel like there's probably some denial going on. We might feel that we're present with our partners and we can listen to them while also looking at the phone. But the truth is, in all likelihood, if we were quizzed, we'd probably fail miserably about what they said to us. What just was said to you? I don't know. I was listening, but I didn't hear anything. Gottman calls them bids for attention. And I love that. So when we don't have our bids for attention responded to over and over and over, we start to lose like this fire, this connection, this this drive or desire in our relationship. So you like you don't have to immediately like your spouse starts talking. You don't have to immediately drop your phone, towards, turn towards them. That's also a Gottman term, turning towards to show that you're present, but I would acknowledge them, validate them, turn, you know, say something like what you're about to share. I really want to hear what you're about to share with me. Let me just finish this up real quick so I can be totally present with you. You know, that might feel so much better than like, Hey, I'm listening. No, keep talking. I'm listening. I want to hear what you have to say, but, but you're also still face down in your bright screen. Like the, they're not, they're not congruent. So Robin Sharma, um, he talks about screen residue and says like each time we look at or engage with our screen, we're like dropping, we're like leaving back, 
this residue on the screen of like our, our attention and our ability to stay present in life. And we, and we start the day with a certain amount of it. And so you want to be careful how much you're using in certain places because you want to save some up for the important moments. Like when you want to connect or be present with your spouse or your kids. Um, so here's what we're going to do about all this. Just some, just some thoughts or pointers for you to begin working towards closer and uninterrupted connection with each other. One is dial back the screen time in general. So you guys use, use the features on your phone. Like there's, I think there's time limits on certain apps you can get into it. I have an iPhone, so that's what I know of, but there's app limitations, there's timers. Um, I would go in and shut off alerts on your phone. So, you know, so those things aren't ringing and then grabbing your, your brain power, your attention. Um, the do not disturb button is fantastic. Avoid having those alerts, right? And the rings and all those things. You can program who you want or to allow to get in. So, you know, if there is some, you know, your spouse or your kids, you don't want to miss those calls. But everyone else, you have just been turned. The alert is off. And then I would set specific times because it's not realistic to say that there's going to be no more phones. Of course not. <clears throat> um, but set specific times. So when, like, you're together... There's this, you got your phone bucket, go put your phone in the bowl or the bucket or just in that place, but then say, okay, after this moment, you know, from that time to that time, 30 minutes, 20, whatever it is, like go do all your thing on your phone and we'll, and then we'll come back and we'll finish our time together or a night or whatever. But you've got this allotted time you guys have agreed upon. So go in, do your thing and then return your phone to the ball, the bucket, the, the designated area, and then stay present with each other again. So this, this might seem like some overkill or a bit excessive for some of you, but, um, and you can have that perspective, but really do a personal inventory on your screen time versus spouse time. And then ask your spouse if they're okay and supportive with the amount of screen time that you have. <clears throat> if you knew Really, I think if we knew like the hurt that we were causing to our spouse or if we knew that they were feeling lonely or or unimportant, I think each of us would probably take a different approach because um, we don't want our partners to feel that. But we just might not know that's what our actions are doing on this phone. So we just got to keep that open communication and go back. Listen to the last episode, 27 part two of the series. I talk a lot more about, um, about communication. So go back and listen to that one. Okay. Let's keep moving forward. And last one, let's wrap this up. It's been a long episode. Thanks for sticking with me guys. This is my favorite concept though, of creating closeness and connection and intimacy in your relationship. And it's number seven, become what you are seeking. We want so badly for our partner to be this and do that for us, but are we being that for them? And it's not about doing things that we want from our partner and then doing that for them because they're not the same as us, but it's about learning about our partner and responding to them in that way. So this comes down to the love languages and communication styles. And if you want to respond to your partner in a meaningful way, you need to learn about both of these things. For example, like if your partner is a gift receiver and loves when you show up with like little tokens of appreciation or you know, like a, <clears throat> like a snack or, um, their favorite treat, something like that. Maybe you've heard them talking about something they want 
over and over and over. And so you surprise them by buying it. So that's your partner. And you, you're more of like the physical touch and love being able to cuddle up or, or just have that closeness together. Or you love when they initiate sex and, and it's not always you that's, that's like driving this and it's spontaneous and, you know, so there's your two different styles. But if you feel that your love language is not being responded to by your partner, maybe sex is infrequent or you're always the one initiating or whatever. I, look real closely at how you are showing up for your partner in their way. Like, well, I, I am always initiating. Why don't they initiate back? That's not their love language. You got to get in tune with that. So are you showing up for how they need you to show up? That will ultimately influence them showing up how you need them to show up. Um, and probably my favorite episode of all time, maybe, I don't know. This one's becoming my favorite, but it's long is episode number two, show up better for yourself and your marriage. Go back and listen to that when I go into all of this stuff right here. So look closely at how you're showing up. Do you bring home the treats? Do you give the surprise gifts? Do you know their love language? Are you paying attention to these things? Um, when they talk about what they need the most help with around the house or in life or you know, are you then providing that same support? So it's easy to fall into a place of like criticism for all the things your relationship is not. That's the easy thing to do, but, um, and all the ways your partner is not meeting your needs, but we really need to look inward, not a favorite, um, piece of advice when people are talking about how their partner is not this and not that. And, and I say, well, what are you, what are you for them? And what are you for you? Are you showing up for yourself? Okay. So we got to recognize these things that we're doing and, and really ask some of the questions. Like, am I praising and appreciating more than criticizing and complaining? You know, we definitely get back from the marriage, what we put into it. So think of the ways that you're showing up for your spouse and for yourself. And then you guys, again, communication, have that discussion about what your current driving love language is. Cause we know that these things change from season to season day to day. Like, you know, we've got, I think we've got two main love languages. Um, and so it just depends which one's running it. And maybe you just need to coach and direct your spouse a little more. Like here's, here's what's driving me today. That's how I need you to show up for me and ask. I, I love that. The idea of just asking, how can I show up for you today? What can I do to help you feel loved? And then let me just add this for the singles out there. You know, if you're, if you're transitioning from a relationship or just coming out of one, trying to pursue another, <clears throat> you're still seeking that someone know that the more you understand what makes you tick, like the more likely you're going to be better prepared to invite that type of person into your life. Learn about you. Start living these kinds of things. Sit down, make a list of characteristics and qualities that you desire, and then reflect upon how closely you're living these same qualities. And that's it. Become what you are seeking. Okay, you guys. Well, that's the seven things. That was a lot of stuff. That was a lot of stuff for sure. But here's the thing. There's really not a secret. There's no secrets of lasting relationships. You learn about your past. Let's just sum it up. Learn about your past and how it can impact your present relationships. Say you're sorry and do it in a sincere and accountable way. Learn about your own sexuality and openly discuss preferences with your partner to create better intimacy 
Um, and, and, and don't be, don't be that person that thinks you've got this special move only to find out your spouse dreaded it for years. Learn about yourself sexually. Okay. What was the other one? Live the, live the golden equation of love, right? Join your lives physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Again, come to this place of joining together fully. Uh, put down your phone, put down your phone and give the greatest gift of all time. Presence, presence, be present, not give present, but be present. That's the greatest gift. Keep staying curious about yourself and your partner. Celebrate your differences. You're, you're changing all the time. Celebrate it. Welcome it. And then the last one is be become what you're seeking in the relationship. Okay, you guys, that's it. I mean, truthfully, there's I've said it already. There's no there's no secrets. It comes down to my three favorite things. It's the time, the attention, and the intention that you're putting into your relationship that bring, you know, ourselves and our partner to this healthier place. Um, and I emphasize you like, like yourself because a healthy me leads to a healthy we, you got to get yourself right. If you want to be right for your partner. Okay. You guys, thanks again so much for, you know, showing up, listening to this. Maybe you had to do it in two or three parts. I know it was lengthy, but you gave me your time and your attention, and I really do thank you for that. It means a lot to me. So as you guys continue to to pursue self-growth and improvement and you make me a part of that, I can't even think of anything. I don't know. I'm just grateful. Thank you, guys. Okay, come back. Part four on, the, on this relationship series. We're going to wrap things up with this um, and talk about some step-by-step things. I know I've given a lot of lists and, and pointers of what you can do, but we're going to going to wrap up some of these step-by-steps of how you can continue to strengthen your relationship. Thank you guys. Make today the greatest day of your life. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the greatest day podcast. Hopefully today's episode was informational and gave you something that will help you as you continue to improve your life, stay present and make each day better than the last. As always, please share with anyone you feel may benefit from this podcast and share it on social media. You will find me on Instagram at Greatest Day Mindset. Come on over, give me a follow, and stay engaged with me there. Lastly, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and I'd really appreciate a review from you guys. Ultimately, this is what keeps the podcast alive and helps it to be advertised to other people. Thanks again so much for your support. We'll see you on the next episode. And as always, make today the greatest day of your life.